welcome to this week's edition of Stephen and Company here on the Stephen Perkins Program. We are getting very close to the end of our summer series, and I hope that you have enjoyed the conversations we've had so far. Uh, I certainly enjoyed recording them and having them with all of our guests. If you need to catch up on some of the past episodes that you may have missed or you just want to hear them again, you can do that by going to outsetmagazine.com slash podcast. Select my show on there, the Stephen Perkins Program, or you can search for this show on iTunes. While you're there, give it a subscription, I guess subscribe to it, and then rate and review it. It'd be greatly appreciated. Before I get into this week's episode, I want to give a little shout out to our sponsor, and that is Octopod and their line of portable charging devices that will make sure your phone or tablet never has to go dead again. And for you, the listeners of this week's show, if you go to octo-pod.com outset and enter the promo code outset at checkout, you will get 50% off your order. Just go to octo-pod.com outset, enter the promo code outset, and get 50% off your order. On this week's episode, I am chatting with Harrison Krasner. Now, Harrison is a student at St. Lawrence University in New York, and also he is the co-owner of Harbor Hill USA, a Detroit-based clothing company that is working to rebuild Detroit through entrepreneurship and fresh ideas. We talked about his business, his journey into entrepreneurship, and many more topics. It was a really great conversation, so please enjoy this week's episode with Harrison Krasner. I'm here with Harrison this week. Harrison, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Stephen? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I've been wanting to have, I had Jake Jardine on a couple of weeks ago. I've been wanting to involve um, in this type of summer series. We've been having discussions with all these different types of people. Uh, I've wanted to include business people. You're the second um, kind of business-minded person I've had on, uh, entrepreneur. And, and that's because I think it's really important when you're um, when you're trying to have this dialogue about changing the world, changing the country, you have to involve everyone. And so I think your story is, is really interesting, and I'm excited to, to talk about it a little bit. But for those people who don't know you, just kind of tell us who you are and, and what you do right now. Uh, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, I grew up uh, in Detroit, Michigan, a uh, place that is known for it's manufacturing past uh, the glory in manufacturing days um, with the automotive industry and a few other industries, mainly automotive though. Um, both my parents worked for automotive companies and that's kind of how everything is around here. Um, so I grew up in the area, um, have watched the city um, kind of hit rock bottom with the, its bankruptcy a few years ago and uh, have been kind of a part of the discussion of what's next for Detroit. Um, that's kind of what my whole mission is as a person right now and as an entrepreneur. Um, I started three years ago a clothing company by the name of Harbor Hill, um, and we are a brand as well as a retailer of other brands, um, and we focus on completely American-produced products, um, and our brand especially has a dedication to products that are made in Detroit um, by the local people, helping d this developing community um, that we love so much and we grew up in. Um, and that's kind of what our goal is as a company is to be a part of the rebirth of Detroit. Um, over the past five years or so, um, we've really seen how Detroit has started to make an amazing comeback, um, much more of a comeback than it's made over the past, um, you know, pretty much... 50, 60 years, um, and 
it's exciting to see what's going, but it's also, you know, it's important that there are people out there um, that, you know, support Detroit and Detroit companies and in uh, American companies in general um, to help the rebirth of Detroit um, and America uh, as our economy starts to rebuild. Right. I, I want to talk about Harbor Hill and, and, and Detroit and your mission there. Um, but first, I want to just kind of ask, this is always interesting to me, people who go into entrepreneurship, kind of their journey to that point. What got you interested in the idea of being your own boss, starting this company? What what has been your story? Definitely. Um, so what got me interested in entrepreneurship in general um, was kind of, uh, actually, I really had no idea what I wanted to do uh, with my life up until probably halfway through high school. Um, I had really no idea. Um, and then I joined a marketing club by the name of DECA, which is how I actually ended up meeting you. <laughs> um, and that club really just gave me uh, a new light on business and uh, you know the professional world, and it kind of just sparked a, uh, a fire within me uh, and a passion for it. It just kind of, uh, I guess, maybe I assumed a passion that I had uh, had going forever and never realized but um, so that kind of that club exposed me first to kind of business and entrepreneurship and people that are minded that way, and it and I, I really loved it, and I just continued to grow and um, learn different skills. And then one day, um, uh, me and one of my uh, buddies who I grew up down the street from, uh, we just decided um, we had a lot of extra time after uh, school. We were pretty free with our time and. Uh, we both really wanted to make uh, a shirt that because we we got we noticed that everyone in our town had been wearing like the same clothes like it's kind of like the same generic five six outfits that you see everyone in all the time and uh, we kind of wanted to mix things up a little bit um, change the way that people uh, dress around here and that's kind of how we initially started Harbor Hill and uh, how I got into entrepreneurship with my own project. And then from there, just kind of learning the different operations, the day-to-day, um, and the different business practices that you have to do to uh, make sure that you're uh, running a sustainable entrepreneur, uh, we uh, it just kind of the passion grew, like I said, more and more. And uh, then it, you know, I'm I'm more involved with some other projects as well now, and it's not just clothing; it's uh, you know different real estate and investing projects as well and um you know it's it's fun to kind of develop and to build a well-rounded base for uh business growth and entrepreneurship in general that's uh been really fun for me uh especially over the last year or so i've uh definitely experienced a lot more of less less of just clothing and more just kind of different types of markets and things Right. So, I mean, you're plotting to take over the world and you're starting with Detroit. So that's cool. Now, I, I'm always this is always interesting, too, because um, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. My father has his own company. And I feel like that's what got me interested um, in now running my own businesses. Did you do you have entrepreneurship in your family? You said your parents work for the auto companies. But is there any type of uh, business background in your family? Uh, actually, not really. Um no, uh, we have a family. My mom's side is actually from Detroit for a long time. Uh, family of engineers and lawyers. 
um, with the automotive uh, being around. And uh, I actually, I believe my dad's father was, um, he, he owned a few stores and uh, did some things, but uh, they not, not especially was I ex- exposed very early to entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial entrepreneurial minded um people it um it wasn't really like i said until i uh i joined a deca in high school that um i was surrounded by a lot of people that were similarly minded as me um and you know there's like jake jardine as you said he was on the show right. uh, me and him like just bouncing ideas off of each other and talking about different things and different things that um help grow our projects that we were working on um different ways to promote our projects and that was kind of um how i it wasn't necessarily um pe- people that were entrepreneurs around me that were adults or you know parents or anything like that it was mainly um my like colleagues and classmates for the most part sure so when you're starting harbor hill a, a company like harbor hill a clothing company um it's of course a market that is um a, it has a lot of competition in it especially with more of the um, I, how would you how would you describe your clothing because I, I don't want to incorrectly describe it what, what's oh, no, the theme fine. of it um, so the way that we describe ourselves um, now we've actually kind of reinvented ourselves um, probably three or four times over the last three years you kind of have right. to right but uh, right now the way we describe our describe our uh, style is uh, nautically inspired um, urban wear mm-hmm. so it's uh, you know, professional clothing, um, classic uh, patterns and uh, stripes and um, simple colors, uh, a fairly um, neutral palette of colors, a lot of blues, uh, navies, grays, um, and it's, it's mainly uh, professional clothing and then kind of uh, nautically inspired kind of, you know, we grew up on Lake St. Clair, having the Great Lakes all around, and then also the Detroit River is right next to Detroit. So we're kind of going for uh, half Detroit uh, street, kind of like being a part of the city and the rebirth of the city, but also at the same time, uh, we do spend a lot of the time on the water. I grew up uh, sailing my whole life, and uh, my business partner grew up sailing, and he actually um, rose crew very competitively. So um, a lot of our inspiration for our design comes from the water and uh, different, you know, things that uh, come with that. Right. I think it's I think it's a pretty cool niche that y'all found. But in terms of starting it up with knowing that there's so many clothing companies out there, I guess what were some of your challenges in the beginning? How did you? How have you continued to differentiate yourself from other companies? Definitely. Um, I mean, that was uh, definitely one of our. Uh, the hardest things that we had to go through in the beginning, especially, um, kind of as you go on, you start to figure things out and it starts to help. Um, but in the beginning, uh, the really hard part about differentiating, um, mainly it wasn't just, uh, differentiating our style. It was mainly finding legitimacy. Uh, so, you know, when we're, 17 18 years old uh releasing this clothing line people are like well why would i buy the 17 year old's clothing versus you know the big brand names out there um and finding uh that's kind of how we evolved into um not only just a brand but a retailer is uh by bringing in other companies uh that were kind of 
complement our cl- clothing that we make that uh, you know make things and that we don't necessarily make or uh, you know pants to match the shirt whatever it is um, that added a fit, good amount of legitimacy for us that was part of what helped with that um, just because we were taking on companies that were more well known than we were uh, that had been more established and kind of their fan base or following had come to us as well so we kind of built off of those brands and we kind of brought our a lot of them are are based in the south and the east coast and then a few out 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 far west out in california um so it was good to have also the different regions being represented on our website because there isn't much clothing in the midwest and what what our kind of stance was for those brands was well we've got the midwest marketing covered for you guys because we're here um, right. And it was a market that is kind of under, uh, it's a place that's kind of undermarketed uh, to by the clothing companies. So um, that was super helpful. And then also um, kind of differentiating ourselves um, was we found that we, it was hard for us to differentiate style-wise because we wanted to go with such classic, simple, um, timeless looks that you know a lot of different people are producing. So we decided to go a different route and um, make the same sort of style but differentiate in quality. So what we did was we did a lot of research um, and we've done a lot of product testing where we've, you know, gone through tricks and um, things and found, like, what we liked the best just to wear for us because, you know, if we liked wearing it, we... We figured um, that's, you know, we need to focus on if, would, would I wear it or would I not? And, and kind of then we took a little bit more of an upscale approach to our business. Um, and we decided that, you know, the way that we would justify that is I'd rather buy one extremely nice shirt because I'm going to wear it more often than if I buy 10 right. shirts. So that's kind of the way that we've uh, approached that as well. So with the whole, uh, you know, making sure that your products are manufactured here, specifically in Detroit, um, that obviously drives cost up. Um, and and I feel like a lot of people, they love the novelty of buying American. They love the idea of buying things made in America. But when it comes down to it, it's about that cost. And, and you know, you made a good point. It's It's about quality overall. But, I mean, do you see in the future you're talking about trying to revitalize um, this idea of American-made products. Do you see in the future these prices coming down, or is this going to be type of this this niche where prices are just going to be a little bit higher because it's just harder to have the manufacturing here? Um, well, actually, I think one thing uh, that we'll notice over the next you know, maybe 10 years or so is that manufacturing... Um, in the Far East, costs are actually going to go up. Um, so that's going to be one difference is that it's going to become more and more expensive to produce um, in China, Bangladesh, um, Indonesia. And it's going to start, we're going to start to see a lot of production move to India. And we already, actually already are seeing a lot of things move to India. Um, and India is, the problem with India is that it's so difficult uh, distribution wise. To produce clothing there, that it's also kind of a gonna you know it's they're gonna we're gonna come and run into a bunch of problems uh, 
with the distribution of clothing when everything's kind of moved over to India. That's kind of what a lot of people are predicting is going to happen. Um, so I, I think it will be interesting to see what happens uh, with the American markets. Um, uh, there is a lot more um, production kind of being built up in America. So, I, I mean, we could see, you know, as there are more competitors um, to produce things, maybe prices will go down a little bit. But um, I think just in general, the overall um, model of these clothing companies that um, are producing things just needs to change in general. And, and we'll see uh, either clothing remain the same price or go down in price even um, as they kind of start to produce more responsibly just because, you know, if, uh, for instance, if Polo or someone produces something in China, yeah, they're making it for a lot cheaper than they could in the States, but they're also spending a large amount of money on advertising, on this and this and this, and things that aren't necessarily um, needed for the market. And that's what drives up the price of clothing a lot of the times is um, kind of the extra stuff that they spend money on. Um, so there's all these companies out there that are kind of combating that, like um, Bonobos or Warby Parker, right. where they're kind of cutting out a lot of the middlemen um, they're cutting out advert, huge advertising budgets, and uh, they're making it more efficient. and And that's going to be fun to see if uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if things move over to the U.S. when that happens. Just because it's it's uh, more, it's just doable. It's you know because there's less. Um, they don't need as big of margins to cover up the, everything else that they're doing. Right. I, I really love the model that. Like you mentioned, Warby Parker's doing another company, uh, Combatant Gentlemen. They have suits yep. now for like 200, 250 bucks because they, they claim they own their own sheeps or something like that. Yep. Um, it's a really interesting model they have going on. And, and I think it's in many ways uh, kind of the, the future of it, um, although I'm not as involved in, in that industry. I'm more of a spectator there, but it looks like it's turning out to be the future. Now, Talking about, I guess, the future of Detroit, this is a city, as you mentioned, who really got hit hard, um, and this has not been a good time for Detroit. And and, and I know that, uh, you know, small business plays such a big role in every economy, whether it's a small local economy or even a bigger city. Small businesses are, are really the backbone of, of these economies. What do you think or what type of role do you think entrepreneurship plays in revitalizing a city like Detroit? Uh, well, I think it's huge, especially, um, I think Detroit, now that Detroit has had its kind of tail in between its legs, um, and it's kind of realizing, uh, what went wrong. Uh, it's, it's fun to see actually. Um, when I go away to school out in New York, um, and then I come back after six months, there's 150 new stores downtown. It's insane. Wow. There's you know there's crazy all kinds of restaurants bars, um, clothing stores. There's a watch company uh, by the name of Chinola that is extremely popular right now, and it's it's out of Detroit. Everything's manufactured in the city, um, and and it's fun to see a lot of these small businesses and entrepreneurs pop up uh, because I think that Detroit's main issue in the first place was that we were very invested in one uh, market. We did kind of had all of our eggs in one basket, to, uh, so to speak. And, you know, when the crash of that one industry went, so did the city. 
Um, so it's fun to see. Actually, uh, the way a lot of people describe it is that Detroit is starting to look like the new Brooklyn, um, and that there's all kinds of new uh, hip projects kind of moving in, uh, cool, cool new things. Shinola, uh, like I said, is they're absolutely massive now. Um, they right. started a few years ago, and they have stores uh, down near you in Texas. They have a, a store in LA, um, Chicago, New York, Paris, London. Uh, they're starting to become a huge international brand, um, and there's kind of a bunch of people following, as well as kind of even bigger stores starting to open uh, open up like flagships in downtown Detroit, making it more of just a place to be, like you know, things to do downtown, make it a nicer, safer place, um, which is fun. And Johnny Varvados, uh, he's a d- designer. He just opened. He's actually from Detroit. He just opened a flagship down there. Um, I've heard rumors of a what is it? A Nike town being put in down there. Um, Carhartt stores being put in, in downtown. Um, so there's all kinds of uh, fun things being happening, and it's um, it's pretty evident that entrepreneurship is. I mean, already has made such an impact on the city, and it's. Uh, I, I'd say it's the future of Detroit as well. I, I mean, it's going to be. Uh, fun to see how much more comes because it's definitely within even the last six to eight months uh, has completely, completely changed um, the downtown area, the midtown area, and even the Corktown area of Detroit um, are becoming these really nice, uh, safer areas that, you know, people go down and visit and hang out and do things and spend money. and, And that's really what the city needs. So with that in mind, when you sit down with your business partners and you, you're talking about the future of Harbor Hill, your company, how do you see, I guess, your company playing a role in this new atmosphere that's being created in Detroit? Um, so I think kind of just to start, um, I think one thing is uh, we, we want to be a part of that you know, fun um, the front end of things, kind of where the stores are. We want to, I mean, we'd love to have a store downtown, um, have people shop and admire our stuff down there, um, which would be, you know, it'd be really cool just to be a part of filling in kind of the empty stores down there. Um, that would be very, very fun for us. But also kind of on the back end, behind the scenes type thing, um, we would love to, you know, open a manufacturing facility sometime um, soon down there. Um, hire people that are local from the area um, in need um, to help produce our clothing completely. Um, it's hard to manufacture clothing in Detroit because there's very little um, existing uh, manufacturing for clothing here. It's mainly you know plastics, uh, metalwork, and a lot of the stuff that we're um, helping with the automotive. So, I mean, we did a belt buckle, for instance, and we had it... Um, uh, pressed at an automotive uh, accessories plant, which is really cool. But, I mean, you can't make T-shirts at an accessories plant. So um, we're kind of working on that, and we'd love to, you know, be a part of not only kind of the front end, like I said, but also the back end and kind of part of the main solution that's going to really kind of bring Detroit out of the ashes. I don't know um, if you've ever heard it, but the city motto... Uh, of Detroit is one second, let me just double check and see if I'm right yeah so um, 
Detroit's city motto is, we hope for better things, it shall rise from the ashes. And uh, that's kind of what we're seeing right now and what we're hoping we want to be a part of. That's kind of, um, like I said, uh, the spirit of Detroit right now. Yeah, I, I think that's a very appropriate model or motto. And uh, it, it will be interesting to see what Detroit does. Um, and, you know, it has the potential to be the leader and, and your company has the potential to do some incredible things there. Um, and so it definitely sounds good. Now, I want to take a break real quick. We'll come back and do some more questions, some more general questions. Um, but this is definitely a good talk. So we'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Steven again here to talk this week again about a product that, as I've said in the past, I use it, I love it, I love their philosophy of your phone or tablet should never die again, and that is Octopods. Now, Octopod has an incredible line of portable charging solutions. I recommend the Ion 3 Power Bank because it's small, it's powerful, and it's priced perfectly. And let's talk about price. You get 50% off your order because you listen to this show. Pretty incredible deal. Just go to octo-pod.com outset to browse their line of portable charging solutions. Find the one that is right for you. Then when it comes time to check out, use the promo code outset at checkout for 50% off your order. That's octo-pod.com outset. Use the promo code outset at checkout for 50% off your order. All right, so we're back with Harrison Krasner. Um, co-owner of Harbor Hill USA in Detroit. Really interesting company on a mission to help revitalize Detroit um, through entrepreneurship. I want to ask you, as a young entrepreneur, you have school, you have your company, you have your social life, you have all these things that you have to balance. How do you do that? How do you balance those things? Um, so that's pretty... Uh, it's pretty interesting how it actually ends up uh, working out. Um, obviously, uh, me being at school is uh, definitely a barrier. And then social life is, uh, you know, that's obviously really important um, as well to maintain a you know nice social life. And it's good. Actually, for our company, um, it's important that we maintain uh, our social lives just because we need to, you know, make sure that we're keeping people interested in it. And right. Kind of doing things. Uh, a lot of what we do um, when we're home is, you know, we'll get all of our friends together, we'll grab some shirts, go down, take some pictures, go out on the boat, hang out. Um, so it's good to kind of be able to do that with us. It's kind of fun. Um, we get to, you know, hang out with our friends and at the same time get some work done, get some content for our website or our social media pages. Um, so that's that's kind of one way that we do things. Uh, when I'm at school, actually, I'm out in you know upstate New York, so. Uh, it's hard to deal with a lot of the Detroit business while I'm there. Um, so that's been interesting over the last year. Actually, my business partner um, isn't going back out. to. He went to school in Delaware. He's now coming back home so that he can uh, manage things from the home front and uh, make sure that things are running smoothly from Detroit because we found that you know, it's just so much more efficient when we're home. When we were home for breaks, we'd get so much work done just because um, we're here and we can actually meet with people face to face and different companies we're working with. Um, and it's just far easier to do that from here rather than remotely, um, out in the East coast. Um, so that's been kind of difficult for us, but it's, um, definitely going to be aided by him being back here, uh, this year. And then, um, but we, we, uh, we basically, the way that we do things is, 
um, we kind of sit down once a week. Um, we go over what we're going to do, what needs to be accomplished, who's going to take on what project. Um, and then we kind of regroup after a few days or um, we kind of just keep each other updated and we kind of do things on our own. Um, so it's a unique way to run things. We're not always constantly um, you know, talking about the way we're doing things. We kind of trust each other uh, as partners right. to do, a, um, do everything the right way. Um, so you know, if I have a crazy day at school, um, I can go on at 2 in the morning and do some stuff on the website. Or you know, it, it, it's just uh, finding that balance that um, everything works out and make sure that you're getting school done, uh, obviously, the right way, and then making sure everything for the company gets done as well. Right, and how many people do you have on your team? Um, our team is kind of composed of, well, so the main part people on our team, uh, we have about four or five people that day-to-day are doing things. We have a graphic designer, um, Megan, who's awesome, uh, Teddy, who's kind of our social media and branding guy, uh, kind of the creative side. And then Andrew is my business partner who I started it with. Um, he's kind of sales and uh, leads guy. And then I kind of manage from above and kind of make sure everyone's doing everything we need to have done and uh, seeking new partnerships and uh, making sure that everything's going A-OK um, with operations and everything. Um, so that's kind of our main team. And then we also have about uh, 25 campus ambassadors all over the country uh, that help with our uh, marketing and promotion of stuff too. Right. Okay. Um, here's an interesting question that I've been asking people. Um, is, is there something that you believe, is there something that uh, uh, that you believe to be true that people may not know about you that may be unexpected for people to learn about you uh something that i believe right um i think that people would be surprised to find um that i believe well people are create like on the east coast when they find out that i'm like this detroit like one when they find out that i'm from detroit um I mean, you can probably oblige. You would not look at me and expect me to be from Detroit. No, uh, not at all. <laughs> so that's, say. that's yeah, no, that's one thing that people, it surprises them in, that first that I'm like from Detroit and then I'm like all about Detroit, Michigan. Right. And it's like my, uh, my main mission. Like people, like at first when they meet me, that's like the craziest thing to them. Um, so that, I, that's one thing definitely. And I think also that, um, I think there's a Steve Jobs quote, and probably not quoting him co- completely correctly, but it's uh, something about basically the the idea of it is um, you can't change the world until you realize that the world around you is made by people that are just as smart as you or not as smart as you. I love that quote. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of um, my like doctrine for life. Like I, I live by that every day. I uh, I question the way that things are and. And a lot of people uh, may not know that side of me, so definitely um, I think that's something also that people may not know about me. How important is – I know you're, you're at college, um, and there's a lot of kind of structured learning that takes place there. They're telling you what you have to learn. But outside of that, what is – how important is, I guess, just uh, casual learning to you? Um, so – I think that well, one I'm a like, I'm a magazine reader, so I'm like every day on FastCompany.com reading stuff on I love it. That's that publication. Awesome. 
yeah, it's one of my favorites. Um, constantly like trying to learn more about not only myself but um, the world around me and just different markets and everything. Uh, like I said, I just have an interest in entrepreneurship in general, so it's fun to me to read about a tech company or a healthcare company or a clothing company. Um, it's it's interesting to me because I don't necessarily have that expertise. Um, but also, I, I mean, I I think it's safe to say that Harbor Hills, you know, one of the if not the greatest learning experience I've ever had in my entire life. Um, you know, doing things day by day, kind of figuring out a process, um, cold calling people even. Uh, it develops your skills um, in a way that a classroom might not uh, touch you, I guess, is right. a good way of putting it. And, uh, you know, it's not... It'd be interesting to see who, who I would be and where I would be if I had not decided to start Arbor Hill. Right. Definitely. I've Don't. met you know met some crazy people and awesome people and um, you know it's it's crazy to think what wh- how different the world would be if I hadn't for me at least if I hadn't gone out and done it right it's always interesting to me just the um, the process that entrepreneurs have with learning what their approach to learning is because I feel like if you look at some of the top entrepreneurship programs across the country I'm a big believer that it's not necessarily something that you can learn from a classroom. And if you look at the top programs across the country, it's a lot of hands-on work. There's universities who have incubators, so you can actually start your company and grow it there, which I think is the best way to learn about it. Um, yep. But that question is always interesting, is, is how, how entrepreneurs approach um, learning new things and, and how important it is. In the pro- I mean, even learning about something that's not at all related to your industry can, in a weird way, help you better understand your industry and better understand how to run your company. Definitely. Um, now, in terms of like idols or role models, who are some of the entrepreneurs or just, I guess, people in general that you look up to? Um, so, I mean, I guess I really, um, I actually just recently started watching the show The Profit. Um, and that show, I've learned so much. Just the way that, uh, I can't think of his name, Marcus Leminis or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, the way he takes apart these companies and like reforms them, it's like unbelievable to me how uh, awesome. So I, yeah, definitely him. He's a good, uh, awesome guy to like watch or read about. Um, but there are a um, few guys that are kind of just changing clothing and different things. Uh, Neil Blumenthal. He's the CEO of Warby Parker, like we were talking about earlier. Um, he is an insanely brilliant guy. He's got some cool video interviews and uh, articles on Inc. and different magazines. But um, he, he's got an awesome approach to marketing. He's got an awesome approach to just business in general, how he's uh, decided to uh, scale Warby Parker and how he's... Uh, formed Warby Parker and his mission and uh, so he's definitely uh, up there um, Steve Jobs he's one of them you know crazy crazy smart guy um, I always read about him and um, watch different things about in documentaries and whatnot about him he has uh, a really cool process of doing things as well um, Andy Dunn is, uh, he's a, the CEO of Bonobos and he's also a venture capitalist too um, he has an awesome way of marketing. Bonobos is the uh, largest online launched uh, clothing company in the world. Right. 
um, it's a menswear brand, and they kind of started with fit in mind, uh, which is awesome because clothes never really fit me that great, and their clothes fit me awesome. But um, and then they kind of they they just have a unique way of doing things. Uh, their stores, you can go into one of their stores, but you can't walk out with anything. You have to go in, you can try it on, and you have to order it online. You can order it in the store online, but it has to. They don't they don't do any in in person sales. Um, which has kind of cut their costs down because they have, you know, smaller stores and they don't have as much inventory and mo- whatnot in them. Right. That's interesting. Uh, so yeah, and he, I mean, they just do do really unique um, things. I really like uh, a lot of his articles, and um, I think he was recently in an Ink uh, issue of Ink. There was a really interesting article about him and the way he's kind of remodeling. Uh, his uh approach to business which is pretty interesting but um yeah i mean those guys those guys are definitely i think my favorite um entrepreneurs out there so when you when you study these people and you you learn more about their their stories i guess what is what are some of the takeaways you've had and what lessons have you applied to then your own company well i think uh a lot of what it is is i mean a lot of those guys, like all three of those guys they think differently and it's like the apple uh 90s ad campaign like think different um and you just kind of you can't think of your competition um you can't think of like how do we beat them you got to think like how can we do things completely separate and different from them so that we're not even competition it's called blue market uh or blue ocean strategy um and it's you know warby parker they they didn't spend a ton of money on this ad campaign when they first initially launched they decided to go a different route and they hired models which is um you know they just hired models paid them to wear the glasses uh printed out uh like covers for books book covers and then they had them all sit in the new york library because that's where uh, warby parker was inspired by um a jack kerouac book i'm pretty sure but um, they were inspired by the library. They, they used to spend time in the library all the time. So they had all these models sitting in the library pretending to read books with the covers on it, and the covers said Warby Parker. They had the name of the frames and the price, which is $95 on all their frames, on them. And then they sent a really cryptic message out to all these news publications um, and had the publications, they all showed up to the library and walked in and took pictures and wrote about it. And it was a really interesting, unique way of getting their name out there without spending a lot of money and it was just um i that that story to me like really stuck out to me and I, it was just like very interesting like right i would never heard that story that's that's really cool yeah and it's just and it, and it was very very successful um so it was more about you know how can we do things differently rather than going with the grain and doing things the way they've been done because if you do things the way they've been done by other companies you're really not going to stand out, stick out that much. It's going to be, you might reach a bunch of people, but it's going to kind of be like an advertisement in your face. And, you know, it's kind of like the YouTube thing, like who gets the skip in five seconds thing and doesn't actually click it, you know, right. every kind of clicks it and you kind of just don't even think about it. It's subconscious. Uh, the advertising is more subconscious than anything. It doesn't really actually affect you. Um, but things like that, you read about that and you're like, wow, that's really interesting. That's really cool. And then you check out the company and they got a ton of traffic from it. There's also a, a French company uh, that we work with called Vicomte A. Um, they're a French clothing company, 
and they do kind of similar stuff um, to like that Warby Parker thing where it's just like very different. They did a website called uh, Social Striptease and they had all these models, like a model, you could choose your preference, male or female, um, and they'd be dancing around in the clothes and you click on the clothing, it takes it, they strip it off and then it puts it in your cart and <laughs> share it on Facebook. That's beautiful. Yeah, and, and I mean just different like unique ways of doing things that kind of uh I mean maybe I'm like the clothing guy nerd cuz I'm in the market and that's just like really unique for me but um th just different ways of uh thinking for me um are kind of what I take out of those guys all the time. Right. Um now when you first started entrepreneurs should be talking about Deca obviously um kind of catapulted you into this this whole world. Was there any particular person that inspired you to go down the path or any any particular person who maybe inspired you to to choose clothing or or how, you know, how did that play out? Uh clothing kind of just happened. Uh it just was something that we were interested in. Uh, me and my partner, we both kind of decided to go after it, but um I definitely have there's a uh, one of my actually He's actually one of my really good friends now, but um, probably five years ago, he was, I mean, he's four years older than me, so he's 23 years old. Um, he went to the same high school as us. Um, his name is Brad Foster, and he's like this famous, like in Gross Point, he's famous, like everyone knows who he is because he's just this extremely successful entrepreneur. Um, you know, he's like the famed, like when he was 17 years old, he bought a hotel in Costa Rica and like. No big just, deal. Yeah, like really, really, and he's a super self-made guy, completely incredible, um, uh, super awesome guy. He's like one of my mentors now, but um, he really was like a, a lot of inspiration for me to kind of go into entrepreneurship and do it just because uh, I really looked up to what he was doing and he kind of, he started a, a, a computer company by the name of Sparkforce where there was a lot of like, uh, computer repair and stuff like that in the area and then um, he scaled that up and has done kind of moved on to other projects since then but he's a lot in the real estate development now but uh, he was a lot of like I mean we we had been in contact before and talked about different things and I always was running ideas off of him and different things uh, and then eventually we started to develop a relationship now we hang out all the time and he's one of my good friends He's a mentor of mine, but he was definitely uh, a big role in inspiring me just to kind of go after entrepreneurship uh, in general. He was, um, I don't know if you remember uh, Dylan or Abby Fliss, but they uh, they both had gone to a speech that he actually gave at the University of Michigan, and they, me and them were talking about him. So, he, I mean, he was definitely a part of the discussion at DECA, but um, he, was, he was out of high school by the time I was in high school, so... It was just kind of fun to look up to him and see uh, how he progresses as an entrepreneur and talk to him about different things, and that's kind of how I initially got into it. That's awesome. So for you, you know, when when you're looking at you want your company to be successful, obviously you want personal success. What is that to you? What is your, I guess, definition of success? Um, so my personal definition of success. Uh, that's interesting. Um, definitely, uh, because like mine would be buying a Tesla and owning majority share in Chipotle, but you know, to some people that's, <laughs> that's not it. Yeah, definitely. No, fair enough. Um, I think that, uh, my definition of success is just to kind of change things. Uh, yeah. 
change um, change the way that things are done um, in any market, anything, uh, just to kind of like um, maybe piss a few people off in the, in the meantime as well. Sure. Um, but, you know, uh, however I can disrupt a little bit would be definitely uh, one one goal of mine as I uh, kind of, you know, define success for myself. Um, you know, it'd be awesome to have a house in the Hamptons with a grass tennis court. Sure, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, definitely a goal of mine. But, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, I think, if anything, definitely to d- disrupt a market and to uh, at least be known, well-known for disrupting it or pissing at least a few uh, important people off. I like that because I feel like a, a lot of people um, now, th- they're very careful about what they do. They're very careful about how they... Um, go about doing what they do. They don't want to piss people off. You know, they want to kind of play it safe. And that's just not what you, like, to me, that's no fun. Yeah. Where's no. the entertainment in that? Right. Life's too short. You got to piss a few people off. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's, it's, it's fun to, I, I can't remember who said it, but, you know, someone said, if you don't, if you don't have enemies, you're not doing something right. I think that was Churchill, actually. That sounds yeah. pretty familiar. But, uh, yeah, no, I really like that. Um, so for people who want to pursue business, they want to become an entrepreneur, um, they want to be able to create their own success and be their own boss, what are some of the things that you would say to them uh, as advice? Uh, well, I guess the Steve Jobs quote we said earlier, realize that everyone around you is not as smart as you. Um, and definitely uh, you know, believe in yourself, go after things, and take chances, make risks, uh, because even if you lose, you're still going to learn something at the end of the day, and that's more meaningful than anything, mm-hmm. um, which is definitely uh, one thing. And I'd say um, you know, something that's been integral to my success and uh, really important to me is uh, you know, have a good support system. Um, you know, create a support system for yourself. Uh, right. I have, um, we have a partner at Harbor Hill who, by the name of Tyler Carlin, um, he's like one of our original founders and he's like, you know, 30 ish years old, way older than us. Um, but he's like my guy, like whenever I need any advice or anything, whether it be, you know, girl advice or entrepreneur, like business advice or just a way of doing things or, uh, you know, I go to him and I ask him and he knows every single time or he'll at least point me in the right direction or introduce me to someone that may know. Um, so finding like good mentors is definitely, um, important and like just you know finding a mentor it doesn't necessarily need to be someone that you're really close with it doesn't necessarily need to be someone you know um, you know research read about people and just you know what's what's the shame in sending an email and you know if you don't get a response that's not a big deal but you know try and reaching out to people um, that have found success in the market and kind of just picking their brain and they I mean a lot of these people out there want to help uh, younger people that want to be entrepreneurs they want to show them that it's possible and they want them to learn. And uh, I think that a lot of people are very reserved and they're scared to go out there and just contact these people. But, um, you know, anyone, I mean, that's kind of what a lot of Jake's project, um, from my understanding, is like they're trying to build a community that um, is open to people that want to be entrepreneurs, open to uh, help, you know, aid people that need advice and suggestions and whatnot and uh that's that's a beautiful thing i think that that 
people, um, I, I mean, just going out on their own should be able to do that as well, though. Um, and uh, I think that, um, you know, if, if not that, there's all sorts of uh, different resources um, and incubators, like you said, co-working spaces, and, and those are awesome places also to go and meet people that are um, like-minded and uh, can help, you know, bounce ideas off of, like I said, that's been, um, like, my friend Brad, you know, he was at first just someone that I bounced ideas off of, and literally, um, that was so important to me, like, just to kind of hear someone say either, like, mm, I don't know, or, like, yeah, that's a really good idea, because, like, if, if you believe it's a good idea, it probably is, but you got to hear the validation of someone else saying it is just an amazing thing, and it puts a fire in you, and you have that passion going, and you go after it um, far faster, I think. Right. So for people who want to find you and people who want to find Harbor Hill online, how can they do that? Uh, so to find Harbor Hill online, our uh, website is harborhillusa.com, H-A-R-B-O-R-H-I-L-L-U-S-A dot com um and to find me um i mean i'm on linkedin harrison krasner um i mean i think my number my email something's on that the contact way a way of reaching out to me um as well as you know um my email address uh is uh open to anyone with uh kind of any questions or anything uh any advice questions suggestions um just anyone that wants to chat uh, it's uh, hjkras14 at stlawu.edu. Good deal. Um, and I definitely encourage people to check out your website. Buy some stuff, you know, help out Detroit. Um, <laughs> it's definitely a good brand. You'll definitely have some good designs. So, Harrison, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again to Harrison for coming on this week's show. Make sure you subscribe to this program on iTunes so you never miss a new episode. And while you're there, subscribe to all of our other podcasts. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll see you here next week. Bye.